Thank you for listening to the Air Raid Sports Podcast. I'm Chandler Corny. With me, as always, Brady Scott. What up? We're here today to talk to you about recapping the weekend in sports, everything that's going down, and we're getting started with the MLB postseason. We'll take it away, Brady. Well, if we're looking back at your picks, it's not going very well for you. Um, since we've been with you last, the Brewers have swept the Rockies and the Astros have swept the Indians also. The Braves lost to the Dodgers last night after forcing a game four to lose that series. So all series are wrapped up except the Yankees and Red Sox, where the Red Sox won last night, um, moving to 2-1 in that series with a um, game four tomorrow from Yankee Stadium. I mean, the Braves, I just had I just had the feeling that they weren't going to be able to go up against the Dodgers and get that series win. I'm glad they got a win Sunday night. It was a good game for the Braves. They were up last night, 2-1, to one, and the Dodgers just had a big inning, and the Braves just really didn't have anything to recover from it. The offense just went dead. Acuna was 0-4, or 0-5, my bad. And um, when when the leadoff guy's just not, not getting a lot done, especially for the Braves, he's really, the second half, he's really set the tone for their offense. And when he hadn't been playing well, their offense has been sputtering. The Brewers just look dominant against the Rockies. I mean, they got one of those bullpens like the Royals did a couple years back when they were able to win the World Series. I mean, all they got to do is get to the sixth inning, pass it off that bullpen. Bullpen has just been dominant. When they get to the sixth inning with a lead, they just give it to Hader and all all the bunch of the bullpen, and they just they lock games down. The Astros, their postseason motto is back-to-back. And really right now, the way they're playing, the Indians didn't really – I expected the Indians to at least get a game, maybe two, but the Astros just dominated them and took that series with relative ease. And um, I thought the Yankees were going to put up a bigger fight after getting game two in Boston, but at Yankee Stadium last night, it was just ugly. Red Sox win 16-1. Brock Holt hits for the cycle. Just too much Red Sox and – Maybe the Yankees bounce back tomorrow and get a game, but I don't know how you bounce back from this and get the series win. I just think that one may be all but wrapped up. But knowing my luck, I just jinx the Red Sox, go Brady. And um, who knows, but all are set except that one. And that's any other news from you on baseball? Yeah, and you, you said you had the Red Sox winning that, that game. Yeah. yeah, I had the Red Sox winning that series. It's uh, it's gonna be hard for for the Yankees to come back and beat them. I mean, maybe they. Th- I don't know. I don't know who they're gonna throw tomorrow or today. Actually, when you're listening, but I just don't know who they're gonna throw. The Red Sox offense is looking very potent right now, especially after last night. It was just it was a rout, and I don't see them bouncing back. I just think this one's all but done. Yeah, I think the reason that um, the Red Sox didn't get that game two win was, you know, David Price was awful starting coming out of the gates. David Price is his postseason, his postseason records is terrible. I don't know where he goes in the postseason. He he wasn't great this regular season or last, but he's just not good in the postseason. I don't know what it is. It's a mental block or something. I don't know. He just can't get over the hump. I think if he could finally just get a win in the postseason and just breathe. We'd see the David Price of old, and he would just start dealing again. But until he gets that win, baseball's just so mental. And I just think the mental side of it, he's in his own head, 
and that's why he's not able to get it done in the postseason. Well, I mean, if you look at it, that's a lot of a lot of star people in every sport. Uh, Alex Smith in football, that, that one comes to mind. Can't get it done. Just, he can't play in the playoffs, which this year it doesn't look like he's going to get there. But I don't know. But that's that's really all I got for baseball. It's pretty clear cut. Not too much action, but I'm just as a Braves fan, I'm proud of the way the season went. Nobody coming in the year, nobody expected the Braves to be anywhere near the playoffs, much less winning the division. I mean, the young young talent they have coming back, maybe they can go out in free agency and get a couple of pieces. I'd watch out for the Braves in the next couple of years. I think they're going to be very good if they can get a veteran pitcher in there to sort of guide the younger guys because they got a lot of young arm talent. They they were a year ahead of schedule. Yeah, and they actually they get another pick in the draft next year, correct? I'm. I think sure so. I'm do. not. I'm not sure, but you can't expect that pick. It's not like any other sport. That pick may take. He may be up in a year. He may be up in five years. He may not pan out and just be a minor league player the rest of his career. But the Braves farm system is very well stocked. They have a ton of great arms. That I just think they need that veteran pitcher to come in and just sort of guide them. Guy who's been around the league, has some postseason experience, to come in and sort of mentor these young guys on what to do and how to handle their emotions and how to keep everything in check. Well, uh, we're going to get back into it with uh, Brady's news of the day. What you got for us? Uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees passing Peyton Manning for total yardage, passing yardage record. Pretty pretty big thing, and I can imagine nobody outside of the Brees family or Saints organization would be any happier about this probably than your mom. Uh, my mom cried, man. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I can tell you that she was sitting on her couch just in tears. Tears uh, of joy. She is terrible. You cut her open. I mean, it's black and gold to the very core. Uh, I teared up a little bit. It's just... Uh, Come on, man. I mean, there's four times in my life that I can remember crying in my brother's arms. And and one of those times... Same Super Bowl? Was n- not even the Super Bowl. It was just when they beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl. And hit that field goal. I, I remember I cried in my brother's arms. I remember sitting at my house. I just went down the hall. I couldn't even watch a kick. I was just so nervous. I couldn't even watch a kick. Because you, you just know the Saints and all the history of it. You just know that kick. They're not going to make that kick. Much less go to the Super Bowl and beat Peyton Manning. I can tell you right now, if Ole Miss ever goes to the national championship and it comes down to a field goal, I would throw my guts up. I may die. Because I don't know if my heart can handle it. I'll probably have a heart attack and miss them winning it. It's, it, was a, it was a good moment if, if you're a Saints fan, but it was a good moment if you're a sports fan. Uh, to see Drew Brees do something like that, uh, in my opinion, highly underrated. Uh, it comes within one touchdown of – Surpassing 500 touchdown passes in a career. Yeah. I, I felt like he could have done it. He'll definitely get that next week. Uh, no, he won't. They're on a bye. They're on a bye. <laughs> He'll definitely get that in two weeks. But Mark Ingram coming back had a huge game. Yeah, two touchdowns for him. Uh, it was pretty good. Taysom Hill looked really good uh, last night. He's been, been really a surprise for him. I don't think anybody really saw him contributing much this year. Well, I mean, he only being, stayed at BYU for, what, eight years? I don't know. Being a third-string quarterback, guy returning kicks, faking punts, having his own package on the offense, the guy's a wild card, man. He is. I felt like they really wanted uh, to get Teddy Bridgewater in tonight in the last 
10 minutes or so of that game. Yeah. But they really wanted Drew Brees to get 500 passing touchdowns. Neither, neither one of them really worked out. Uh, but it will happen. No, there's no doubt. It will. I mean, barring Jesus coming back in the world ending tomorrow, it's going to happen. He's a, he's a phenomenal player. I think that he actually has – they have the team to make a run for it this year. I think the only team you're looking at right now, the Los Angeles Rams, they're kind of on a different level than everybody else. The Vikings are look really good. I mean, you see that Seahawks look like they figured something out a little bit against the Rams this week. I mean, the Rams got a late fourth fourth down conversion in that game to avoid giving the Seahawks the ball back with a chance to go down the field, kick a field goal to win it. And that goes back to what we've talked about the last few podcasts. Sean McVay, he, he played that game to win. He didn't play it not to lose. I mean, he, had, he had the punt team on the field. And Seahawks called timeout. He runs offense back out there. Get put the trust in Jared Goff to get the sneak across the line. I mean, he didn't have to go, but a couple inches. But I mean, it's just the trust in his players that he has. I think that's what that's why they're so good this year. They know that they have the one hundred percent trust of their coach. That whatever they do, whatever he calls, they know they're going to be in the right position, and they're never going to be in the wrong spot or in the wrong play because they have that much trust in their coach, and he has the equal amount of trust in his players. Yeah, that's what you really want as a player is just somebody that believes in you and that knows you can get the job done. I mean, Jared Goff, man, he's just been phenomenal this year towards the end of last year with with McVay. He's really coming into his own. I really think that they're they're gonna be they're gonna be poised to make a deep run. I hope so. Like Maybe said, the Saints can stop him. I feel like the Saints and the Vikings right now are really the only teams in the NFC that's yeah. And that's established themselves. I agree. You can't ever leave out the Green Bay Packers. I agree. Uh, Not with Aaron Rodgers. Once he gets healthy, you never know what they're going to do. Their defense hasn't looked great this year, but honestly, I really feel like it's all the crappy roughing the passer calls that they've gotten. And you get a little timid, man. You really do. I mean, they had that game against the Vikings one, if not for the roughing the passer call on Clay Matthews. And then the week after, he gets another one in a key position in the game. So you're looking at two penalties, maybe perhaps costing the Vikings two games. We're not really sure. I mean, Packers, Packers, Packers. But you're not really sure how the rest of the game would have played out if it wasn't called. But you feel like they're in a great position to win if those aren't called. Yeah, especially when your best, when, you, when the anchor of your defense is the one getting them called. Uh, that's kind of like your quarterback going down and having to throw somebody else in there. I'm just trying to protect these quarterbacks, and I think it's, Hurting the overall perspective of the league. Yeah, if I was a quarterback, man, I'd come out and just be like, look, man, these are weak. Don't call these. They're terrible. But then, you know, if that's a call that gets me to win a game, I'd be like, yeah, it was the right call. You're going to take it. I I mean, mean, you know. You're not going to sit here and say, oh, don't call that when it's putting you in a position to win. So, I mean, sort of a double-edged sword there. You really don't know. I mean, because quarterbacks come out and said, yeah, I agree. These calls are – these calls aren't very good, but I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see what what you th- what goes through the mind of somebody that thinks that some of these calls are rough in the passer. Like, you can't just go in and and not put your full body. That's what you're taught from Pee Wee's textbook. And I mean, that Clay Matthews shot, I think it was on Alex Smith. 
it was textbook, man. I mean, you can't do anything else. No. And there, there's you no put your way. whole body on it. Well, that's what you're taught to do. You're supposed to put your face mask in the chest and roll your hips into them. There's no way to hit somebody full speed, full strength, and then in midair contort your body to where you don't fall on them. There's no way to do it. It's physical, physically impossible. It's something that I definitely think needs to be looked at way better and talked about more and they're not doing anything right now to do anything about it and that's what's sad that's what really just pisses me off about it you're trying to take the game to make it i wouldn't even say they're just trying to take the violence out of the game i feel you know the targeting thing that's that's one thing you're trying to protect the head leading with your helmet i I can see that. that you're trying to protect the livelihoods and longevity of players mental health and Help for their family so they can be around. But pretty soon you're going you're gonna to see flag football in the NFL. I mean. That's all the football you'll see in America probably with the way, you know, this sport's going. Yeah. I just don't know how long is it going to be before college adapts these rules because you know it's probably coming. You know, I've thought about that too, but if you think about it, college has always tried a little bit to do differently and – and to separate themselves from the NFL as far as, you know, they don't have the two-minute warning or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely something I think that they're going to discuss sooner or later with it. It just further proves my point that college football is better than the NFL. And if anybody argues with it, with that, I just I can't take them seriously. Like, you're just ignorant. I wouldn't say ignorant because, you know, you're entitled to your own opinion. But Your opinion's wrong. My, I tell my mom that all the time, but... Oh, well. Yeah. Other games in the NFL. Uh, the Browns got their, got got a dub this this weekend. Lord knows. I don't know how. Dog Pound may have a little magic in it this year. Well, I mean, it's not like we got to see the end of it. CBS cut us out of the overtime yeah. again. What's well, new? Happens every week. But, I mean, I think both of us went 3-2 and two in our picks yeah. this weekend. Baker Mayfield played another solid game. Yeah. Not great. Not bad. Didn't do anything to really hurt you other than the one pick. But, I mean, he just puts you in positions to win ball games, And that's all you can ask of your quarterback. Yeah. Especially a rookie quarterback in his third or fourth start. I just – I don't – I don't think Hugh Jackson makes it out of the season. And even if – even if they keep winning ball games or staying in ball games, I believe he's there. I just don't know why. I mean, you stick with them through 0-16, and, and you're going to fire them after you start to win a few ball games. Okay, well, look what they did to Josh Gordon. We're talking about the Browns, man. They don't make the smartest decisions in that front office. I just believe that Dorsey's just going to stick with them a couple years, give them a chance. He's got good coordinators in there. So just give this coaching staff another year or two, and then if it's not panning out, you part ways. But if you're going to stick with a guy winning one game over two years – you can't really do anything about it when he's in ball games and he's winning ball games. Well, the thing is, I just is, don't see how you can part ways with that. He's just he's coaching not to lose, and he's making these I don't want to lose type things. Just I mean, you got to go balls to the walls with it. But he he went for it on fourth down the other day, didn't get it in overtime. They got the ball back and were able to win, but he wasn't he wasn't going to give them the ball back without trying to get the fourth down, and I like that. I mean, he didn't play it passive in that situation where he could have punted or tried an extra long field goal. But he went for the win. It didn't get it there. 
but they get the ball back and they go down and they kick the game winning field goal. I mean, he's got to be the greatest coach in all of football history. Persuasion or whatever. To to win one ball job. game in two years and, and you get kept on for the third year, I mean, there's nothing else that I can think of that makes me think that's not why he got it. Hey, maybe the Browns are just like, hey, we get a new coach every two years. We still haven't won. I mean, why not give a guy a couple more years, see if he can get it done. I mean, he's he's starting to win ball games, and you're starting to see – the momentum flow a little bit. I just think they need one more big play receiver, which they gave up in Josh Gordon, but I think they need one more big play receiver. And it's been rumored that they're in for a trade to maybe get Lev Bell. I don't think uh, the Steelers are going to trade him. Um, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't because they've already said they're going to transition tag him, transition tag him after this year which means every team can make him an offer. The Steelers have the option to match that offer, but they've already shown you that they're not going to pay him. And why just let a man that you know you're not going to pay what other teams are willing to pay him? Why are you just going to let him walk when you can trade him now and get good talent for him back? I just, I mean, and you got James Conner putting up good numbers and he's not hurting you back there. I just feel like you need to get rid of him Get what you can get back for him, and then continue to build with what you have. Because he doesn't want to be there. They don't want him there. They're not going to pay him. So why keep him? Well, the thing is, like, would would the team be willing to give up a lot for him? And I'm saying that because the leverage in the toss is going to be – it's the same way with the Browns coming out and saying they were going to waive Josh Gordon. Yeah. And then that's why they got, what, a, a bag of chips and a pack of cigarettes for him? Pretty much. And if he I doesn't pan even, out, I, he they got to give the bag of chips back to I, him? I wouldn't even say they got that much for him. Bag so, of chips would have been better. To say we don't really want him, we're not really wanting to pay him, then people are like, well, here's a fourth-round draft pick for him. I just think the team that trades for him or that wants to trade for him has to go, okay, we're going to give this up, and they have to be prepared to pay him when the season's up. They have to be willing to yeah, throw no the doubt. money at him. Whoever trades for him, it's got to be like, okay, we're going to give you X amount of dollars for you to stay here. And you're just going to have to give them that big money to ensure that you keep them. I think I mean, that – And that's the that's the thing that whoever trades for him is going to have to give up. To trade for him, you have to have that in your mind saying, okay, this isn't just for We're not year. rating him for half a year. This is for this four is for or five, five years. years. This yeah. is a five-year thing. We're going to trade for him. We're going to pay him the money, and he's going to be our guy. I think it would be a good fit in Cleveland, though. I think the best thing is that Cleveland could have done, and you, you touched on it about the coordinators, I mean, getting Todd Haley and Greg Williams in there. Greg Williams in the second year. That's You, you already see vast improvements with that defense. That's two ballsy moves. To me. I like the Todd Haley hire. It's the best thing that, that they could have done outside of – and if you're going to keep Hugh Jackson, yeah, Todd Haley. Surround him with great coordinators. And that's exactly what the Cleveland Browns have done. They surrounded him with great coordinators. They're finally going out and saying, we're going to get a little more talent in here. They got a good young quarterback. They got a great receiver. And they have a growing and improved defense who's – not beating you. They're keeping you in ball games. 
And once Baker Mayfield gets more acclimated to the NFL and starts putting up bigger numbers and they start putting up more points, Cleveland Browns are going to start to roll and they're going to start to beat people by a lot. And you're talking about needing uh, another weapon maybe, a wide receiver. I think Antonio Callaway is their guy that he, let him develop a little bit. Yeah, he's a, he could be their guy, but he's he's the same body type, same type receiver as Jarvis Landry. They're both sort of slot guys, burners, with great hands who can catch the ball. Well, I, just I, mean, think, I just they think, can't play it on every down. I just think they need that big body receiver who you can just go in the red zone like Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, just turn and throw a fade to him and let him go up and get it. I think they need that kind of guy on the roster to just improve that offense. Everybody needs that guy to go to. Speaking of Michael Thomas, is he the best wide receiver in the NFL right now? I don't think so. Who do you think is better than him right now? I mean, you got great receivers in the NFL. Adam Thielen for the Vikings. You, you, got, you take him over Michael Thomas. I mean, it's close, in my opinion. You got Antonio Brown, Julio Jones. I mean, I'm not talking about big names. I'm just talking, like, from just pure looking at the stats and the way they've been playing. I mean, who else do the Saints have to throw the ball to besides I mean, Alvin Kamara? But the thing is, he had, Michael Thomas has only dropped one pass this year. He's got 20, 28 targets, I think. I mean, 29 targets and I mean, 28 he's a, great, he's a great receiver. I'm not saying he's not. You just ask if I thought he was the best. And I just don't know if he's the best because of all the other guys in the league who can get open and do their thing. But you look at the Antonio Browns and the Odell Beckhams of the world, they're getting double, triple teamed every play, and they're not able to get open. And they're forcing the ball elsewhere. Whereas in New Orleans, they have the great run game. So you're able to come up, stop the run, and it's leaving Michael Thomas in one-on-ones. But I mean, Drew Brees has spread the ball around a lot this year so far. Cameron Meredith is coming into his own. Uh, Traquan Smith, I'm pretty sure he caught two touchdown passes last night. Yeah, he caught the he caught the one to break the record. Uh, Cameron Meredith should have had a touchdown on his reception. I don't know what in God's name he was thinking about cutting it inside, but. I don't know. Sometimes they see things that aren't there. I mean, Ben Watson is just – he is a well-oiled machine. He's hes like a 99 trailblazer. <laughs> he ain't pretty. But he gets the job done. But right. he's going to get you to point A to point B. Yeah. And, and Drew Brees has always loved his tight ends, no matter who it is. And he's proved that since Jimmy Graham's been gone that it don't matter who's out there. If you're even halfway open – He's going to get the ball in the right spot and give you a chance to make a play. And they've just been able to make plays no matter who's been out there. No. You're right about that. Um, it was a good weekend uh, for NFL to one, watch. One more thing, NFL. What you think about Jerry Jones calling out Jason Garrett about the punt in overtime, not, not going for it? I think – well, first of all, you think this is maybe the first – First crack in the door of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's end in Dallas. I don't, I don't know about that because I mean, they've, they put up with a, a lot from Jason Garrett throughout the years. I just think they need to reset, man. I think they need a new face in there. Jason Garrett just has proven over and over again that he can't get it done. He's not gonna get it done, and they continue to stick with him. I just don't know why they just don't go ahead, cut the cord, and get another guy in there. I mean. It's real simple. Jerry Jones is very outspoken. I yeah. don't think that that's necessarily the right way to do things. 
But, but that's the way he does it. That's the way he does it. That's the way he's always done it. And I, I think mean, Jason Garrett, they brought him in because pretty much he's going to do whatever Jerry Jones tells him to do. And Jerry Jones don't want to get anybody in there who's going to be like, no, I'm doing it this way. I don't care what you say. I mean, he's it's the my Jackie way. Moon of the NFL. I mean, Jerry Jones is my way or the highway. Either do what I say or I'm going to show you the door. I don't know why he just doesn't go ahead and name himself the head coach. And I think that's part of the reason you go way back why the Jimmy Johnson marriage didn't work. Exactly why it didn't. Jimmy Johnson wanted to do his stuff, and Jerry Jones sitting there just saying, do this, do this, do this, and Jimmy Johnson finally had enough of it and said, screw it, I'm gone. And I don't think anybody can blame him. I don't know if I could put up with that. I mean, you hire me to win you football games, to run my scheme, and do what I want to do and what I feel is necessary to win ball games. I can't do that with you in my ear all the time telling me what you want to do or what you think we should do. I'm the coach. I'm paid to coach, so let me do my job. And I just think until until Jerry Jones lets somebody do that, the Cowboys are continue to be mediocre. Yeah, and we sit here and say that, but at the same time we're talking about the NFL is a business. And I mean, you look at where the Cowboys were as far as worth – Net worth when Jerry Jones got them, and then he's taking them to to billions, billions. Yeah. You know, not necessarily in revenue, but in terms of worth. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Forbes said that they were number one in all the sports franchises, like the highest yeah. worth. Oh, no doubt. You got Jerry World out there. And I just don't think that you really can get them any more money. Like you can't turn billions into trillions. No. I don't think that that's possible. If it's possible, he'll find a way. I mean, sixteen to twenty billion dollars. If anybody, if any franchise ever got to that much money, that's an astronomical amount of money. I that's mean, just, you've done all you can do. That's sell just, up, and it'll, go home. It'll never get there. I don't think in our lifetime. No, I don't. I just don't think we'll ever see that. But I don't. I don't necessarily. Back to your question, I don't agree with the way that he called him out like that. That should be more of an internal thing yeah. when you're the owner, president, CEO. You just got to go to the guy in private and say, look, I don't agree with this. I know you're trying to do your job. I just personally, I don't agree with this. And handle it man to man, face to face, instead of putting it out in the media so everybody can criticize you. And now you got the media talking about, okay, is, Jer- is Jason Garrett's time done in Dallas? I mean, you just put a target on the man's back. Maybe that's what he wanted to do. Who knows? Maybe that'll make Jason Garrett make better decisions. Who knows? I don't know. I just I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it that way personally. No. But I also don't want the team to be able to do whatever I want to with them. Yeah, I mean that's his right. And that's all I I mean. That's all I got on that. All right. So getting into college football, uh, no, it's your favorite time of the podcast. Certainly is mine. We got we got a little bit of news this week. Uh, Mike Stoops out. After the Red River Showdown. Shocker. Is it, though? I mean, it's not. But, I mean... If Bob Stoops was still there, it would be a shocker. I mean, it's not like it's anything new for Oklahoma's defense to be terrible. Why now? I mean, why this this week? Why this game? Because you look back, they haven't stopped anybody in years. What makes this time the right time to part ways? I think he... Lincoln Riley took over last year. Yeah. Okay, and went to the college football playoffs. Everything was working for them, other than the Iowa State game. I mean, they were only still, exception. They were still outscoring people. I mean, it's not like they were holding teams under twenty a game. 
Oklahoma scored 40, so it really didn't matter what they gave up. Do you think that – I think maybe the thing is they're trying – they want to get somebody else in there, somebody else to to do better on defense because you, you don't have Kyler Murray after this year. you think they have somebody within the system that they believe is ready to make that step, or do you think they'll go out and get somebody else? Well, because well, right now, gonna, Ruffin McNeil, he's been named the assistant – I mean, he's the uh, assistant head coach and yeah. defensive tackles coach. And he's going to coach the – he's going to be D.C. for the rest of the year. I mean, because if you make a move like this, at this point in time, you got to have somebody in mind or a plan in place of who you want in that position. You just don't make this move, wake up in the morning and say, oh, I think we're going to fire this guy, so what do we do next? I mean, they, they've been – this is obviously something they've had on their mind for a while and giving up 48 to Texas, I guess, which is the boiling point. And they said, okay, you're going to hit the road. I mean, that's all I can think of about it. I don't know why they do it middle of the season, but I don't I, know why they let Brent, Brett Venables walk. You know, to bring in Mike Stoops for Stoops, and exactly. Look, I mean, I love my brother to death. Blood's thicker if, than water, my if friend. If he's the person to get the job done, he's not the person to get the job done. Blood's thicker than water. I think that proves that. Don't tell Matt Luke that though. He's got half his family on the sideline, man. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's just a Luke family reunion out there. If you're going to do that, at least at least win come. I was about to say, at least let them be good. Amen. Uh, I'm done, though. I'm done. I'm turning over a new leaf. It's all positivity from here on out for the Rebels, for me. Okay, so it was a big weekend in Oxford. Uh, we did play St. Mary's School of the Blind. but you know, not bad. They beat Southern Miss. You're saying Southern Miss is a good football team? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> but they're better than ULM. Who's your biggest performers from this weekend? Do you have any in mind that come to mind? Uh, my biggest performers would be, obviously, Tua. Complete, <sighs> completing only 10 passes. 10 for 13 with over 300 yards and four touchdowns. 34. That's, that's just ridiculous. I don't see how you're bigger than that. Kyler Murray obviously had a big day. Came not, up big, a, not big enough. Came up a little short, but I mean, I mean Texas was not stopped all day. Kyler Murray did his job, other than a couple picks, which should not have happened, but they happened. He had a big day, and um, Jordan Talman who had a big day here in Oxford, setting up part of the biggest offensive day in school history, totaling 826 yards total offense. It was it was just great. I mean, a lot of big performances out there this weekend. Yeah, um, Jake Fromm, to me, was a big performer. Not, I mean, 17 to 23, 276 yards, three touchdowns. Not flashy numbers, really. No. But if you've seen where, where he was, this passing game was last week, week four last, he he was over third receivers, wasn't putting it where it needed to be. What would you say he had three what? 276. 276? Yeah. Okay, you can, you take out one play, it's 200. Because he had that big 75-yard pass play that the receiver had to make a great play on for the touchdown. Well, he he was putting the ball on the money. I mean, that's what he does. Compared to – well, it's been a little sloppy the last few weeks. And I think he kind of you know, got Georgia, back into his they got They got back to their crossing routes and their hitches and their short passes to get Jake Fromm comfortable. And they they definitely are going to need, need that coming into this weekend. Uh, look, Nick Fitzgerald from a rushing standpoint, fantastic. Got the job done this weekend. He still can't throw. He it. cannot throw the ball. I really think he threw for six, nine for seventeen, sixty nine yards. 
Zero touchdowns, one pick. Dude can't throw it in the ocean standing on the beach. Well, when you rush for 195 yards and two touchdowns. That helps out a little you bit. You know, you get the win. I, I guess, mean, I mean, a decent Auburn team. It's decent, decent, not great. State defense shut Auburn down, but Auburn's offense has noticeably been struggling ever since their first game. I mean, they played decent in the first game, struggled a little bit, but Washington has a great defense. So you say, okay, Washington's defense is pretty good. But ever since then, they just haven't they haven't found it. I'm terrified I know when they're going to find it. Oh, yeah. Probably next Saturday. At 11 a.m. It'll yeah. come to lot. But who knows? Your boy, your boy Haskins had a good game yeah. playing against Indiana. 30, 33 day. or 44, 455 yards, Big six day. touchdowns. Big day. Uh, he, he's moved into my husband. He's he, been in mine all year. Oh, uh, He's finally, I'm finally, you know, been got a lot of him all year. Got a lot of respect for him. Won two big ball games for him in the fourth quarters. Won him in the fourth quarter. Had no mistakes. Drove his team down the field to get timely touchdowns in those games, and has been solid for him all year. Yeah, I think, I think that there are three teams that can hang with Bama. Two really, Clemson maybe. I think Georgia can, and I think this Ohio State team can. I think definitely the Ohio State team can because by the time they get to play Bama, which would be college football playoff, probably going to, unless he just decides to sit out, probably going to have Nick Bosa back. And him off the edge, yeah, Alabama's offense is great this year, but if he he gets to Tua a couple times, Tua hasn't been hit much this year. He gets to Tua a couple times, starts getting in his head, that could be a problem. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because you know if they win out, they're probably going to be two. And Alabama wins out there one. And so, so I mean, that sets up for a national championship. That sets up the natty. Because, I mean, if you, you, look at, you look at the top right now, you have Bama and Georgia both in the top four. I mean, to get where they want to go, they're going to have to play each other, which is going to give one of them one loss at least if, they're, if they don't already have one coming into the game. So, I mean, you just never know. Yeah, um, Georgia, I mean, we're pretty much said that Georgia and Bama are probably going to play in the SEC championship, and that'll be a good. I mean, it shocked me if they didn't. I know what I'm saying. He's going to stop Georgia in the East. Nobody. You know, I mean, Kentucky has been good. No. Lost this past not, weekend. Kentucky's not ready for that. I saw some of that game this weekend. Kentucky's offense stayed in Lexington. They did not. They missed the plane. They missed their flight to College Station. Because I don't know where Benny Snell was. Benny Snell been talking all this noise the past couple of weeks. I mean, he's been backing it up, but he he didn't show up in College Station. Their offense just looked—they had no rhythm, never got anything going. It it was just bad. I think they had like 176 total yards of offense on the night. Yeah. You're you're not going to win big games doing that. Especially not in College Station. And A&M's defense isn't on the same level as Georgia's. It's not even the best defense they're going to see this year. Well, I mean, they've probably seen the best defense they're going to see all year with Bama. Uh, the only other one. Who, Kentucky? I don't know. I thought it was talking about A&M. No. Kentucky's not going not oh. to see a better defense than they'll see against the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-mm. I don't care who they play. They're not going to see a better defense because Bama's not on the schedule this year. So that's the best defense they'll see all year. And it's in Lexington, I think. 
So, I mean, they'll have the home crowd. They'll be comfortable, but I don't really think that's going to matter. I don't, know, I don't think they'll sell out no. by any means. I mean, I think they might. You think so? If they, if they stay one loss, I think they will. There's something interesting to to look at because, I mean, Georgia. It's almost uh, basketball season, though, so who knows? <laughs> well, they had their uh, they had the Midnight Madness thing yeah. not, a couple nights ago, so they're getting ready for it. I think it's this Friday. Is it this Friday? I think it's this Friday. I thought it was Midnight this past Madness. Week. This past week. I think um, it's this week, this upcoming week. Yeah, I've actually been looking into uh, a couple – a couple of games myself with uh with this SEC basketball, but I don't really get kick in for another month or so. No, still football season. Oh yeah, it'll be football another, season. Another big performance on the week that we didn't mention. Ian Book had a great game at Virginia Tech. We, I I very much missed that one. Called it. Thought the crowd would be a little much for him, but the guy looked very poised. Other than misses on a few deep balls where he had wide open receivers. You got to hit those passes. Later on in the season, if you get to the playoff, you have to hit those passes against the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. But I mean, do you really think that Notre Dame's going to play Alabama or Georgia? If they get to the college football playoff, that's what I'm asking. Do you you think that they're going to get there? I mean, they got an easy schedule the rest of the way. They've they've already knocked out all their big time opponents, and unless they just lay an egg, it's set up for them to go undefeated. It really is. I mean, as Kirk Herbstreit said, he hit all his layups. He he doesn't miss the easy throws. He sits back there. He's very poised. He hits all his easy throws. And having their running back back off suspension from the first four games helps. He's a dynamic back. And their offense just looked very good. And their defense, I believe, is underrated. They fly the ball on defense. They swarm. Their secondary is not bad. But their front four can get pressure on anybody. I mean, throughout the game, I mean, third downs, third and longs where you usually see big blitz packages, they didn't have to blitz. They were able to drop um, seven guys in coverage because their front four was continuously getting pressure all night. And when your front four can get pressure without having to bring anybody else, I mean, it, it's really tough on the opposing offense. Yeah, um And I just – I can't sit here and tell you that I think they're going to get there because I think they're going to – there's a – at least one loss on the schedule. Where's it at? Uh, I'm thinking in the last two, two, three ball games. I mean, Florida State, Syracuse, and then they go, go to USC. Uh, Northwestern, they got to go to to Northwestern. And it's tough playing on that grass there. They, they, they got a pretty big grow. win this weekend. I mean, you got foot tall grass. You got to play in that can slow anybody down. I just don't think that they're gonna. I think they're gonna lay an egg somewhere. I mean, they're, I mean, they're the Kansas Jayhawks. It wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me, but I mean, it's set up for them. If they're gonna do it, this is the year to go, because they've had the right losses from other teams. The ACC is very weak. We've seen Clemson sputter a little bit, and undefeated Notre Dame could get people talking. It would be the first time that an independent would go. To the college football playoff, and yeah, and I'm and really short. interested to see how that'll that'll play out. Yeah, because if you have them undefeated, I mean, who do you take? If you have undefeated Clemson, undefeated Notre Dame, one loss Georgia or Alabama, who do you take out of those three? What two do you take? Assuming the other two, the winner of the Georgia Alabama SEC championship game and Ohio State are still undefeated, who do you take? 
what two do you take out of those? I mean, who do you feel? I feel like you worded taking? that way too more like more difficult than it had to be. You're saying that if everybody's undefeated and there's a Georgia or Bama SEC championship game, yeah. and the losers, you know, the losers out if everybody else is undefeated, then then it's going to be sure, though? yeah. I mean, has to you're, be. You're if Clemson's undefeated, Ohio State's undefeated, Notre Dame's undefeated, and the winner of that SEC championship game is undefeated, so you're, there's so you're, your four. So you're telling me right now that if Georgia and Alabama play and they're both undefeated, the loser of that game will not have a better resume than Clemson in the ACC, who plays absolutely nobody. You didn't ask that. You said, who do I think would go? And I'm telling you that that's, that's who I think would go. So the committee think, would take an undefeated team over them. I just don't think you can. Well, the ACC, there's will. nobody. Who do you play? I mean, if you look at the comparison, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I mean, you look at what Alabama did to A&M, and Clemson struggles against A&M. I mean, that just – and. They're not going to look at that. The they're going to look at who's, gonna, who's undefeated. The if those four teams are undefeated, they're going to go. I just don't think you can take them. You thinking that you can't take them and the committee actually taking them are two different things. I, I just ask if you thought they could. I, I don't think I don't that care you can. What, I don't care what the committee thinks. I'm I mean, not it's on just the like, It's just they like TCU and Baylor the first they, year. They don't pay me, so I it don't matter. I just don't think the ACC is trash. There's no good team in there. I mean, I don't see anybody but Clemson in there worth worth the pot you piss in. I mean, Miami's already lost to LSU, so I mean, which may not turn out to not, be a bad loss. But I mean, I don't think they're that good. Obviously, they're not the they're not the team LSU is. And Virginia Tech definitely is not the team anybody thought they were coming into the season. I mean, they're young, but it happens. So. One big uh, performance that we left off, maybe for good measure. What about Dicker the kicker this weekend? I don't want to talk about it. Just uh, comes into that that sh- showdown, man. That dude made a kick, big whoop. He made a kick to win. He made a kick, big whoop. He did what he literally he is made, on the team to do. He made the kick. Wow. Uh, Man, you just can't it's be salty like over beating not, Oklahoma. Not like, well, they won the game. They beat the like shit out of them 50, from start to finish. It's not like it was a 55-yard kick or anything. I mean. It was a kick to win. Come on. Come on. Big performance. Come on. That's not big. Uh, who, who's your top six coming into this week, coming out of this week? You don't want to talk anymore about Ole Miss and their record-setting weekend? They played nobody. Big whooped. You need to take that old Miss shirt off. You're you're not. You don't even want to talk about. Them. I I was. What's excited. that I talk about? They played a junior college and was, they put up stats against them. I was excited to see Matt Corral come in, in the second half and get his first real action of the season, and really perform very well. I mean, if he can, I mean, I know he wasn't playing nobody, but the throws were on the money, and he put up he put up big numbers and didn't hurt the team. He looked like he had been back there every game this year and played a great ball game. Also, big stat from that game, the Ole Miss passing attack went 31 of 34. Only three incompletions in the entire game. And yeah, where's, one, that, where's that offense when we play big teams like LSU and Alabama? We'll see it this weekend. God, I mean, we'll, this is going to be the weekend Arkansas gets our first SEC. We'll see it this weekend. Yeah, probably. No, Ole Miss is rolling in the Little Rock, rolling out with the dub. Rolling out with their first SEC win of the season. 
defense is going to show up and play better against SEC competition. The offense is going to put up the points. I think they finally regained that stride they had in the first game of the season, and they put up a lot of points, and Arkansas can't keep up. The defense gets key stops. I'm turning the leaf. I'm going to start being more positive. Not going to be negative on them anymore. I mean, the positivity worked last week. I'm going to roll with it till the wheels fall off. I just, I just think we put up a, we have a big game. I mean, Arkansas played Bama last week. You know, you know the history of teams who play Bama and what happens in their next week. They're banged up. You know the saying, "Don't let Bama beat you twice." I think Bama helps Ole Miss this week, and they knock off the Razorbacks. I mean, Arkansas put up 31 points against Alabama. Okay. I don't care. Just don't think it's gonna happen, man. Alabama. Play Ole Miss. Who cares? Yeah, when Bama played Ole Miss, what what happened? Ole Miss offense didn't show up because they don't they don't show up in big games. They're showing up this week, okay? That's all I got to say. They're showing up. It's gonna be a big day. You you can take it to the bank. Gonna be a big game. All right. So who's your top six? Uh, obviously coming at one, Bama, two Ohio State, three Georgia, and four Clemson. Same as last week. Nothing really changed. Notre Dame moves up to number five after the Oklahoma loss, and I have Washington in at six. To make this big case about the ACC not playing anybody, you know, to not have Notre Dame in there is very shocking. I just don't have them in there yet. Clemson played well this week, and I had I had them in there last week. I'm I'm gonna watch Notre Dame one more week just to make sure, and that's what I got right now. Uh, so I'm sticking with mine from last week at number one. Uh, Ohio State, uh, they haven't given me a reason not to not to keep them there. Uh, two Bama, three Georgia, uh, four Notre Dame. They've been proving proving me wrong week in and week out. So there's no reason not put them in. Clemson at five, and then my sixth spot. Somebody new to the to the list for both of us. West Virginia, just with Oklahoma falling out, losing that game to Texas. I think, you know, LSU losing to Florida, they're the next team up to go in that position. I just The only reason I don't have them in there is their lack of competition on the year. We really hadn't seen them play anybody this year. So, I mean, that's why they're not there for me. I want to see them do it against Texas or Oklahoma or TCU, somebody like that, before I jump on that and say, okay, they're worthy. Yeah, my next choice would have been uh, Washington, but – I mean, that loss that to Auburn well, doesn't look as well, but their defense is good. Yeah, I mean, their and offense they, isn't terrible. I mean, you got Gaskins in the backfield. Just ripping people apart. I mean, they're they're loaded on offense. Had a little rough pass against UCLA this week, but they're playing in Pasadena. So, I mean, I'll give them a little pass. What's your Heisman, Heisman rankings this week? I'm sticking with the small school guy, Mackenzie Milton, at one. Just – I'm going to give him some respect that I feel like he deserves. Two, obviously, two. And if two is your one and you say I'm crazy, I'm not going to argue. I mean, I understand he's only been playing one quarter or one half. But what he does, I think that might end up hurting him sooner or later. But he's so effective and so efficient in those, those plays. I mean, he's putting up just as well in numbers as anybody else. But he's on, he's not even playing half the time. So he's obviously my one. I keep Kyler Murray at two after the big game. He didn't really – I mean, they put up points. It wasn't his fault. I mean, it's not – you score 45 points in a game, you should win. 
especially a conference down twenty one, and you come back it's a tie. Especially a conference game, you score forty five, you should win. Not even that, especially in that game, you score you know? forty five, you should win. And then coming at three, I have Dwayne Haskins. I've I've Haskins at my three. I mean, as well, he he's put up some numbers. I mean, if he continues to put up numbers, I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't be in New York at the end of the season. I think just barring an injury, he will be. And then Mackenzie Milton's right on the cusp for me. Just he's he's just doing everything for UCF. I just don't. I mean, I'm just looking at it like this. I just don't think they're going to give him the respect he deserves. I believe he deserves everything, all the respect that the Tua's and the Kyler Murray's are getting, but I just don't think he's they're going to give it to him because of the teams he plays. They just don't think that that's equivalent to Tua or anybody else in these major conferences. I mean, we're going to have to see one or two bad games from each of these top three guys or, or even a bad game from Will Greer for him to get his name in the conversation. We're going to have to see multiple bad games. And I just don't see all of these guys having multiple bad games to put them out where he jumps ahead of them. Because, I mean, he's just playing so well right now, and everybody has that one game in the season. Everybody has it. You know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. And I think his bad game puts him out of it. He has to He has to play flawlessly all year yeah. to be in the conversation. And everybody else they can't has to, lose a ball game. And everybody else has some. I don't think they will. I mean, I don't. I don't know, I'm not sure to say that, but if they lose a ball game, I'll, he might go. They might take him because I mean, they took Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois, like a you know, five or six years ago. Yeah. And but, he, I mean, he went to New York. There was no chance that he's no, going to he win the Heisman. I mean, I hope they invite him to New York. He deserves it, but that'll be as far as he gets. I mean, it's not. Uncommon for smaller school guys to go there, no. or guys to to pull away late in November and put their name up there. No, but when you have multiple guys in the major conferences putting up numbers, it just makes it that much tough. That's much harder to do because I mean, when you have guys putting up the same numbers, what are you going to look at the competition of which they play? And it's not his fault. He's in the he's in the conference he's in. Yeah, I mean, nobody else recruited him. I mean, all you can do is play who's lined up on the other side of you. But, I mean, that's what that's just what hurts him. I mean, there's nothing he can do but continue to go out week in and week out and put up big numbers, which is what he has done the past two seasons. Yeah, he, I think barring any injury or unforeseen circumstances, two and Dwayne Haskins are, are going to be in New York. I think barring any injury, or even if they win seven or eight ball games, Oklahoma, Kyler Murray is going to be there. I mean, there's only really one or two other games on the schedule for Oklahoma that you look at now. Yeah, you look at the West Virginia game, which will be, I feel like, a good good matchup. And you look at the TCU game. I feel like that'll be a good matchup. I mean, you look at what he does in those two ball games, and then you look for Tua. You look at what he does in the Auburn game and the LSU game. And if and if he gets to the SEC championship and George is there, you look what he does in that game. I mean, same thing with Haskins. You've seen him in the big games already. And really only thing you're waiting on now is see what he does against Michigan. I was about to say, you're waiting to see what he does in the game. I mean, everybody talks about Michigan's defense. 
I don't personally think it's. I don't personally think that they're that that great. I I think it's a good defense. I just don't think it's as great as everybody says they are. It's above average. Yeah, it's not we'll, a mediocre. We'll see what either. they're made of coming up. We'll touch more on it Friday when we talk about their matchup against oh, yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, I think that'll be a hard fought game. Nose grinding. I don't think this Michigan offense is that good either. Shea Patterson's not done what anybody expected him to do. We'll see. Who knows? So you got any final thoughts, man? Uh, my my final things are the one of the biggest things that happened over the weekend was the Khabib McGregor fight. I mean, Khabib basically dominated the fight, took McGregor to the ground. Everybody says if he gets him to the ground, he's going to win. Gets McGregor to submit in the fourth round. And then what ensued after that was just nobody could have seen it coming. Chaos. I mean, uh, Khabib jumps over the cage. I mean, it's been boiling for a while. I mean, the the pre-fight, all that, all the meetings, the weigh-ins, the promotion and all, all McGregor and his bunch have been doing is calling out Khabib, calling him out for everything, no matter what he does. They've called out his religion, his nation, whatever. And I just think the man, everybody has a boiling point, and I just think he had finally heard enough. Do I think he should have done what he did? No. There, you shouldn't do that. But, I mean, the man had had enough, and he was going he was going to whoop somebody's tail. That was all it was. When he left that ring, he had one thing in mind. He was whooping McGregor's coach's ass. That's all he had. That's the only thing he had on his mind. And the funny thing from the weekend was a Derek Lewis interview after his fight. He looked pretty much out of it. And he was beaten until the last 10 seconds of the fight when he knocked out his opponent. Funniest thing was the interview with Joe Rogan. Takes <laughs> takes off his shorts after the fight. Joe Rogan says, can we take shorts off, man? He goes, my balls was hot. And I don't know if I'd have been doing that interview. I, I'd have just had to take a time out and just, just start laughing. Joe yeah, Rogan I mean, took it like a took it like a pro and just kept on going with his questions. I mean, that's the funniest thing for me of the weekend. I take shorts off, man. My balls was hot. I mean, who says that? I mean, I wouldn't have said that, but I can definitely understand oh, what, it was, what, it was, what he means by that. It was hilarious, man. He said, another thing he said, Donald Trump called him for the fight and told him, told him whoop that Russian for him. Whoop that Russian for the United States. He said, you better whoop his ass for me. <laughs> Funny Dude, stuff. Uh, comedy gold. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to let it out, man. No filter on that, man. No. None. I think my final thoughts will be, I am an Ole Miss fan, but I'm not going to let my emotions get the best of me. I, st- I still will root for them. I just don't think that we can take a whole lot from this game this past week. Uh, it's just to. not you the players, anybody. you have to. Take the positives where you get them, man. I just I want to see them play against real teams this you year. You don't see it. And there's a real team. They put eleven out on the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You have a chance to win. Let you put eleven. You line up eleven. You got a chance to win a ball game. I mean, crap. But our the eleven that's on this offense should be putting up these numbers against anybody. I think you're gonna start to see that more. I just think it's coming. Well, we will find out, and we would love to have y'all back Friday morning. We'll preview the weekend and college football, the NFL, everything that's going on. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good day. Peace.